Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of singers, dancers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway show, actually, of every musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the boards and are Broadway's Backbone. This is episode six, and our special guest is Julie Barnes. Welcome, Julie, to the show. Hi. So I'm going to read through uh, your credits. So on Broadway, you have Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, The Little Mermaid, Mary Poppins, and then the first national tour of Spamalot. Mm -hmm. But now this is what's really exciting and new to me, is that you have a huge list of West End credits, and I knew nothing about the West End. So (laughs) we have Joseph and his amazing colored dream coat, Evita, Crazy For You, Cats, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Oklahoma, Beauty and the Beast. The Gondoliers, Out of This World, The Seagull, and Seven Doors. And then you also worked at the National Theater. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just start. I want to find out well, where you're from. You're obviously from England. Yes, I am. I'm from a place called Hull, which up until a couple of years ago, probably nobody ever heard of. But my the, the soccer team, football, soccer, they call um, has now become like a premiership football team. So when I say I'm from Hull, people go, Hull, Hull City, which my dad's probably really proud of because he's been following them since he was a little boy. And so (laughs) he loves that we're on the map now. So the little city town that I live in has become kind of this big deal because of the football team. So I now wear all my Hull City things. Like I literally, I'm like, oh, I'll I'll wear them because people are going to know what that is now. Oh, (laughs) So yeah, I'm from, I like to always say I'm kind of like the female Billy Elliot. Because oh, right. it's kind of, where I live is probably like three hours from where Billy Elliot set. And, um, and I danced on a stone floor for 16 years in this kind of hut. I had no mirrors, anything like that. So I'm always, I always say that when people say, you know, did you go to like a major dance school and stuff? I was like, nope. I performed in a hut. <laughs> so, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. I mean, it, the hut did you well. It did me good. I'm waiting one day for my knees to just completely uh, crumble from that. But up to now, I'm doing all right. I'm still walking and dancing. So. And were you dreaming in when you were dancing in this hut? What were, your, were you like, I'm going to be a dancer? or? Yeah, it's funny. I always knew this was what I wanted to do. Like It was always funny at school when people... Um, didn't know what they wanted to do and I was always so shocked I was like you don't know what you want to do like I just knew it was um, I didn't know what I wanted to do I just I also couldn't make my mind up I was like I love singing I love dancing I love acting and I thought I was gonna have to choose you know and then when I got to 16 which is different to here um, at 16 you can leave school um, in England and then you go on to college at 16 so I then, so I went from my small town and I moved 300 miles away from my family to move to London when I was 16 and went to a musical theatre college. Yeah, so I was there for three years, did a three year um, course and then I was out in the big world. And what did the big world entail? Because I really know, I mean, I've heard rumor of West End and people yeah. excited, but I, I know nothing, so it was education for me. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, the good thing about it was I went to school in London. So even though they, I 
kind of feel the college I went to was a very old-fashioned college. I mean, it's it's a college where um, Jean Seymour went to, and there's, there's a lot of names that went there. But it's a very old-school college where they I feel like they closed the doors for three years, and they kind of, like, open them at the end of the three years, and you're like, oh, what do I do now? You know, it was kind of like... I think it's very different now. I think colleges, they train you... To, to audition well and to know who you are as a performer. And I think then I feel like I was trained to be able to survive in the business. Like I felt like it's a different kind of training to what happens now. Because it's changed, you know, the business has changed. Oh, now they, they train you to be tigers as opposed to being actors. Right, right, which is, um, I understand because the business has changed as well, so. Who knows? They're probably still training the college I went to. They're probably still training them yeah. the same way. That I don't know, but um, yeah. So that was that was tricky because I, you know, when I hear and even my college now, I do actually hear they do showcases and things for agent. Whereas I had none of that. I kind of left, you know, on the Friday and on the Monday I was look needed to look for work, you know. So it was pretty much starting from scratch, really. And did you just hit the floor running and auditioning? I did, I did. And there's a very, I won't go into the story, but the at one point, um, a show that was running in the West End, uh, Crazy For You, um, they came into the college auditioning and um, they, I went through this whole round of auditions not even knowing really much about it or who I was auditioning for. I mean, I didn't realise I was auditioning for, like, Susan Stroman and Mike <laughs> Ockren. And in a way, it was good that I didn't. Right, yeah. You know, so looking back now, it was an amazing thing. And I got offered the job, and then the girl didn't leave. And so it never really happened. But I ended up doing the show a year later when it went on tour, actually. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, like... I just used to have a thing called The Stage, um, which was a, a big newspaper. It was a theatrical newspaper. And in the back, there was always auditions. And you would just go to them, open calls. And I there was one morning, um, I decided I was going to go to Joseph and his amazing technical dream for an audition. Because I'd seen the show and was like, I really want to be in that show. And I went along to the audition and they stuck... Um, a sticker on me and I think I was something like oh, 350 something like that <laughs> and um, yes yeah, so I ended up I ended up bu- booking that job and I went out on tour the first national tour with Joseph and it's a when first national of of Europe or um, UK of the UK yeah, yeah. Okay. we went to Ireland which was amazing it was because it, they took literally it was the first time I think that they took the entire show that was in the West End Okay. They didn't scale it down. It was like they took literally. It was like they lifted the set and they took it on tour. So we would sit down for like three months. We only went to, you know, like five of the top places. Oh, nice! So, so it was pretty cool. It was like it was. I was kind of spoiled because that was my first job, and it's the show is not that long, right? Either so you know, it was kind of. I was spoiled. I was spoiled. I was like, this is great. <laughs> I get to dance and sing and make money. And, you know, so that was amazing. That was an amazing experience. And also to do a show that I'd watched and kind of like what dreamed of doing. It was kind of, that was a huge thing for me to be doing. And so the, is the West End would be the qui- equivalent of, of Broadway. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's totally the equivalent of it. 
Um, and you have an off Broadway there, or no? It's all it's all just West End, and then there are like there are smaller theaters, but there there are like the Donmar Warehouse and the Chocolate Factory, which is the one that's kind of big right now. Yeah, they they're actually not West End contracts, but they're still classed as a West End. Okay, a West End show. It's all kind of one, and then there are regional theaters, but not as many as here. Okay, like. It's because it's a smaller, you know, the UK is a lot smaller. So there are, like, they call them number one theatres. You know, you've got the big theatres around the country. Um, And then there's a couple of the West Yorkshire Playhouse and um, Perth Rep. And there's just all these kind of little, and the Royal Shakespeare Company out at Stratford. Um, But there's just, I felt like when I moved to America, I couldn't believe how many theatres there were. Like an, and the biggest thing is like how many auditions. Oh right. Every day. Yes. Those auditions every day, which was mind blowing to me, because in England you also you only sign um, you sign like year contracts in the West End. So when you book a job, you sign for a year pretty much, unless the show closes, which kind of I luckily touch on what I, it never happened for me. But you sign a year, and then they decide. And you decide if you want to stay on for another year. Okay. So that's the biggest difference. And what about, is it a British equity as well? Is it similar? It is. It's a little tricky out there because um, Margaret Thatcher um, abolished unions 15 years ago, around about that time. And so uh, you you don't have to be in a union to work in the UK. It all happened with all the coal mine stuff, right? You you know this. Yes. Yeah, I'm giving you all the stuff you know. But... um, so they had to, so equity still had to be there so that you had some sort of vessel and some protection, but they're not as strong as they are here because you, they can't enforce like they do here. So they're there. They're actually really good for like film and television stuff. For some reason, they have a little more power. But when it comes to theatre, it's not like it is here with the unions. Like, I think you still have to join equity, but I remember... The, your sub is something that you just kind of have to send off to them once a year, and most people don't. Right. Like it's not like here; it's like policed. You know, it's kind of oh, like where you take your money. And, yes, and you know, and I love that because I was like, at least you can see what's you know what that money's being used for. Whereas with, in the British equity, it was difficult to see what that money was being used for because they didn't have the power. You know, so. That's a that's kind of a, a very big difference, very big difference. And uh, it was a, it was big when I left. I had to work. It's the same as here for the equity, where you have to work so many weeks to become an equity member. Right. But I just I don't actually know right now um, what the deal is. If you're if you're not an equity member, I think they can have maybe three non-equity members every time they have a new show. It used to be that you can have three members. Join equity. Oh, okay. Or not. Right. But usually you have to do your, I think it's how many weeks is it? 50. Oh, I don't even know. Anymore. I don't, yeah. yeah and then they no, have like it's been a, so apprentice long. programs and yeah. they have points. And I, it's very yeah, different. I did, I, I did go out. So when I was at college, I used to go out and do professional work to earn my weeks. So that when I left, actually, when I left college, I did have my equity card. So. Oh, okay, great. But like I said, now it's it was a big deal then, but. Not so much. Not now. so much. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's not like here. It's like the golden. Oh, ticket. Oh, it's a golden ticket. Yeah, everyone's like, <laughs> I got my card. I know, yeah, which I was very excited when I got it because I just I kind of knew how special it was. So. Oh, 
Yeah. Do uh, we mentioned before uh, we started the interview? You spent two years mm-hmm. with cats. I did. And when I was a kid, I saw cats. I I loved cats. Yeah. I, and I was I still wanted to be in it, and yeah. I didn't never got a chance to be in it. So you yeah. spent two years there in the original place where it started. Yes, correct. Yeah, and and honestly, when you see the theater. It looks exactly the same as it probably did the first time. <laughs> Is know. it still running there? No. It, no, it closed. I did the la- I did it, and then when I left, there was six months, and then it closed officially. And I kind of they had a really big on the last on the last show. They screened it in Covent Garden. It was kind uh, of amazing. They screened it in Covent Garden, and then they had everyone who played the roles come back for the bows. So we did like a whole choreograph. Bow, so oh. you kind of met all the people who played your role. Oh, nice. Which actually, over the years, wasn't that many. There was only, I think, there was only about seven of us that had played Bomb Ballerina or something crazy. Because it's a show that um, this is what's really interesting to like compared to here is Cats was the only show where you could do two years and then you had to leave. Oh. You couldn't stay. You had to have at least a six month break. And then you could go back for another two years, but they just wouldn't allow you to continually stay in the show. But it keeps people fresher. It keeps people fresher, and it gives people bodies, bre- you know, give the, your body a break. Yeah. Really. But I was like, I, I actually didn't think I was going to even last six weeks because I've got really sensitive skin. Oh, so it was and the so, makeup or the dancing? Yeah, I acted both. <laughs> both. I was like, my the makeup's going to help me get out of this job if I hate it so much. Yeah. But um, I had it in my contract, like I negotiated, like if my skin got really bad, that I could leave the show because you, you're tied in for a year in London. Like there's no getting out, there's no leaving, there's wow. no, you cannot get out of those contracts, it's like ironclad, which is so weird, right? Now I've been here for like 10 years. Oh, you can just give your notice. You can, yeah. And, uh, but I think that that's, people kind of get in a show and settle and that's, that's the big difference is you which is nice because you breathe you just kind of go oh I don't need to audition for a year right whereas you come you move here and you're pretty much auditioning all the time even oh. when you've got a job right you're still auditioning which is so weird for somebody who's been brought up like kind of just enjoying maybe a year or two years without having Absolutely. to bring out dust off your songs you know so but then some people come and they get the pink contract and they do sit. Right. You know? Right. And then yeah. you know, and then you can tell on stage that they're that they're just sitting. Right. You know, right. which if you if you're like you're you're done in a year, you're you stay in the moment. Yeah, and also, you know, you know that you might not be asked back, so everyone's kind of like you're on your toes a lot. Yeah. Oh, that's actually great cuz yeah, you can't they can't you. get you out of the pink contract. Yeah, no. I mean, you have no. to kill a stage manager, right? Right, right. I know. It's, it's the, you know, so that's the kind of stuff that's, that's, that took me, you know, a while to kind of learn. You know, I had to pretty, I had to pretty much learn the business again, really. Um, so it was, it was kind of exciting and scary all at the same time. Oh, yeah. You know, because I was 30, I was 30, kind of reinventing myself, which was great as well. You know, there's pros and cons with that. Yes. You know, because it was like, what do I, what, how do I want to present myself? Because I have a chance to kind of, these people don't know me. Right. Um, and I kind of given up dancing in the UK. Um, probably about, probably 
close to five years before we moved to New York. Oh, wow. Like, I'd taken myself out of, like, commercial theater. Um, and I was Even though you'd done crazy, you just, you went yeah, into crazy yeah, for you? And yeah, yeah, I did a lot of sort of dance shows, and I was always understudying, I used to understudy a lot, and um, that's another difference between here and there is you, if you want to do film and TV and straight acting, that's what you do, and if you want to do musicals, you do musicals, and it is very, very difficult to cross over, unless you're famous, right, so it took me it took me like 10 years to break out of the musical theatre dancer. And I did. And I broke out and I went and I worked at the Royal Shakespeare Company. And I went and I did plays at Chichester Festival. Oh, wow. And I had, like, it was amazing that I'd, you know, kind of broken that thing. And then I got a call saying, would I, would I be interested in auditioning for Chitty Bang Bang on Broadway? Because I'd done the show two years previous um, in the West End. And so that was, I mean, of course, yes. Yes, <laughs> I absolutely. Like, I would love to come and audition for my role. Yes. Well, then, uh, <laughs> the role I created, you know, yes. like my little track that I created yes. um, on Broadway. So I flew out. Well, before we get to um, you moving yeah. here, I have yes. a couple of questions. You mentioned yes. with Crazy For You, you mm-hmm. talked about meeting Susan Stroman. Yes. Did that lead to uh, Oklahoma, with uh, mm. which is the Hugh Jackman Yes. One that you did. Um, I guess, yes, it must have done. I did Crazy For You. I have to think back. I think um, that what that did lead to that because um, that was probably the next thing I did after that, yeah. Um, I was, I, I loved doing Crazy For You. I, another show. I was so lucky that I would watch a show. I'd go and see a show probably quite a few times and I knew I'd want, I, whether it's because you're, consciously know it's right for you I don't know but I just both Joseph and Crazy View I watched and sat there in awe and was like I have to do this show like I just have to do it and um, both those things sort of came about like I just it just literally it just perfect storm you know how it is yes and um, I was so lucky to do a show like Crazy View because it really is a perfect show like I in my mind there's very few shows that you can do eight times a week and and still be not even proud of it, but you just, you know it's good. Yes. You go out on stage and you're like, I know I'm in a really good show. And that one was, that's really dear to me. Like it's a, it's a very, and I, I would do that show again a million times over. And I can still remember bits of choreography. And oh, stuff. that fun. And I covered, oh my God, this was the best. I was the youngest in the cast. And I covered the oldest role in the show. I covered the mother. <laughs> and uh, if you know the show, it's, yes. like, it's the Bobby. She's like this like New York kind of like old woman. And, and it was hilarious because I went on. You did? Oh, yes, I did. I was, twen- I was what, 21? 21, 22. And I'm playing this old woman. And luckily, one of the hair girls on the on the show was a makeup artist, so I have pictures somewhere in my oh, wow. my parents' attic of me made up as an old woman, and I went on for that role for like two weeks straight. It wasn't even a throw on; she literally went out for two weeks over like the Christmas period, 
And it was a joke. People used to literally be like, I cannot believe you're doing this. We must have been good. I loved it. I I honestly, Brad, I used to, before I moved to New York, I was always that person that played like, understood the the older role or the mom or the, um, I was never, Truly Scrumptious was the first time I played like a, a, a womanly, girly character. Right. I pretty much was always cast as older. But you're, um, I mean, you're a beautiful woman. You're not, you're not a character. You don't look like you. a character actress. Yeah, that's what's... So that's what's well, interesting. Well, yes, what's crazy is um, I was always cast as that, whether it's because um, the more of the acting roles within a musical, but I was like, I just want to be pretty. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, put a wig on her. I want to wear nice dresses. Yes. But, um, yeah, I was, yeah, I did that a lot, even through college. I was always play, you know, when in college, you get to play those roles that you're probably never going to play oh, for absolutely. 50 years. Yeah. Um, I always played the frumpy kind of, you know, acty role. Yeah. Which has been um, very useful to me. Because I, that's something I feel comfortable doing. I don't have any problem doing that stuff. But it is interesting, when I moved to New York, when people say, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, what do you need me to do? And they're like, but what do you do? And I'm like, I, well, I don't, I, I don't know. What do I do? <laughs> you tell me. I don't know. So that was kind of, that was a big change for me. Yeah. Um, because you kind of trained in England to um, go into an audition and be open and be willing to bend anyway and change yourself anyway. Um, and so it was difficult moving here because that's not the case here. You kind of have to go in knowing who you are, yeah. what you are, and you go, da-da, here I am, nice and quick, and you throw yourself at them and you leave. And that was not how I was trained. And it was not what I was used to. I was used to kind of going in and being kind of like, so what do you want? And and adapting to that. So And I still struggle with that. Yeah. I still struggle with that because I'm like, I, I know I can look different ways as well. You know, and I know I can, um, I'm not just, I'm not just one type, uh, which everyone's, that's absolutely the case for everybody, but having done such diverse things in London, it was very difficult for me to pinpoint to people who didn't know me what I did. I was like, I don't know what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't well, know. Good. Do I do that? Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, it's uh, it's been, and still is a journey, which yeah. is interesting as well. And how was yeah. the Oklahoma, the Hugh Jackman oh Oklahoma? Oh my God, that was another. There's certain pinpoints in my life and Crazy View was a big one um, because I was doing a show that I just love so much. And Oklahoma was one of those moments where I sat in the room on the first day and thought, oh, my God, I'm, I'm in something really special. And how, the, how on earth did I get in this? How, am, how did this happen? Because it was truly the most... I've got chills down my spine, you know, because I have to say it was... It changed my it changed my life career wise as well, like it, it really instilled a lot of faith in me in the business and that um, there are amazing 
experiences out there to be had and I was so fortunate in having one of those that so, that you maybe go a career and you never necessarily have those moments yeah, having because one. they don't happen very often Mm-mm. but it was the per- again perfect storm it was a perfect cast it was a perfect time and we just we I mean that's the other thing we rehearsed for 10 weeks on a new show in London 10 weeks it's a long yes. time. So we picked potatoes and we used to go in every day for like three weeks and we would pick out of a hat a, a chore, like a kind of, a, you know, what you would do on the farm, like milk a cow or, you know, make butter or something. And you would work on that action for hours. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, can you imagine doing that here? No, you would be like outraged. <laughs> like we're wasting time. Oh. We're wasting time. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I milked a cow for hours on end. I, <laughs> I, I, I like like picked potatoes. I remember picking potatoes for hours because it's and was Truman there through all of it? She would come in and out. She would come in and out because <laughs> she was probably like, "What are they doing?" <laughs> but I, you know, it was kind of like. We were in. We lived in this world of Oklahoma for yeah. ten weeks rehearsal. In fact, to the point where and and Trevor Nunn is so meticulous and works so methodically. And if any, if there's any little thing that bothers him, he'll stop and he'll figure it out and then he'll move on. Like he just can't move past little, any little thing. It doesn't have to be the principles. It's in fact he spends most of his time with the ensemble, and. Um, he, we didn't even, we hadn't even ran the show for the first invited dress. Ten weeks. Ten weeks he hadn't run the show. No, no. first time we did it all the way through was the, dress, the invited dress. Wow. <laughs> so that was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. So that was, we were immersed in that world for uh, ten weeks. And then it was supposed to just be a three-month run, I think. And then it was, like, sold out. So they said, can you extend for a few months and then we made a movie and then we went moved to the West End and ran for a year did you stay with it the whole time yes wow yeah because at the time he wasn't Hugh Jackman right you know he was like a guy from Australia who Trevor had done Sunset Boulevard with I think and when he was casting the show he was he brought him over he said I think I've got the, I've got the guy that I want huh. so basically Trevor Nunn gave Hugh Jackman his absolutely great because while we were doing Oklahoma and West End Hugh was flying back to New York for auditions and in fact he was auditioning for Wolverine and didn't get it really didn't get it yeah, yeah. We were all every every weekend. We were like, "Good luck, good luck in your audition." And he came back towards the end of the run, and he was like, "Yeah, guys, I I, did, I, I didn't get it." And apparently, ten people turned it down before he got offered it. Oh my gosh! Can you believe that? No. And that always gives me hope. It gives, Absolutely. I think it gives everyone hope yep. that it doesn't matter, even if you're Hugh Jackman, somebody still has to turn it down mm-hmm. for you to get your, you know. Get, get your, your break, yeah. And, and there's a guy who is perfect. Perfect. Perfect man, perfect performer, perfect, wonderful, lovely guy, you know. So, and, and couldn't be more thrilled for him when he got that break. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. I was very, very honoured to be part of that star-studded cast. Warren Carlyle was in the cast. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was uh, Jake. <laughs> crazy Jake, we used to call him. He was Crazy Jake. 
and uh, oh, who else? I mean, it's just uh, Gavin Lee. If you saw Mary Poppins. Oh yes. He was there. He was in the cast, Dan's captain. Uh, who else? Oh well, I mean, and there was just so many people that I'd looked up to actually as a kid. I'd gone and seen shows and seen and Randy Courtney Davis, who was one of my favourite dancers. You know, those shows and the shows and you know. Maureen Littman, who's a huge um, comedian, actress in the UK, um, is in it. And Sheila Hensley. Oh, I mean, it yeah. was, yeah, it was just, who Stroman brought over. Oh, she brought him over. Yeah, she was like, I have somebody, I have somebody for this role. And they were just so naughty together. Like, Hugh and Shula were off stage. They were like children. They would just wrestle and play football. And they oh. were like best friends. Oh, it was nice. kind of like every time they would like play the, the, that song, that best friend, you're my best oh, friend. Yeah. That, it was as if that was playing in the background because oh. they were like children. They were like so, so tight as friends. It was so, they were so amazing. So, yeah, that was... And then I got married that year as well. So, and I got married in Omaha, Nebraska. Really? I did, yes. And it was funny because, oh, I should say Lincoln, Omaha's, yeah, it was Lincoln, in between Lincoln and Omaha. Um, but um, the corn really is as high as an elephant's eye. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. because I literally just finished Oklahoma and, we, and I flew out to get married because we were living in London. And I couldn't believe it. It was Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, there you are in the Midwest, and there's a cornfield, and it was, and I got married in a little church, and I was like, I'm in. I'm still in Oklahoma. You're still in musical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you have to clear up a, uh, a rumor for me. Okay. Um, that when you are a professional performer in the West End, mm-hmm. oftentimes you have to have a second job. Um, I definitely used to always have a second job. Now that it seems crazy that you're at the top of your field, right? And right. so how like that? Um, yeah, it's really uh, the the pay scale in London is. Um, I mean, the funny thing is, I started off on more money when I first started when I was like nineteen twenty. Then when I went into cats, you know, however many years later, I was on less money then. Like, there's it's not like here where. The, the you know the base rate goes up in increments there because there's no equity right. there's nobody enforcing that so the base rate um, has stayed the same for like twenty years oh my god so um, yeah I mean the thing is do you not pay for healthcare there's like if you if you added things up the cost of living is pretty expensive in London as well travels extremely expensive. Um, so you you kind of are working and, you know, I do fit modeling during the day or I teach or I have something else going on, um, just to keep the mortgage payments, you know, bubbling over. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a little different, you know, and, mo- and some people, most people would probably think that that wage is, is quite a big wage in the UK as well, what we were on, but compared, comparative to... Broadway, it's, I mean, I'd be literally, I'd be on a matinee at Cats, and we'd all turn to each other and say, I wish we were on Broadway doing Cats. Oh. We'd be making three times the amount we were on, because it was like, it was, that's how we used to always think of Broadway. Like, they're earning more money. Well, that was my question. Did you, yeah. did you ever think 
I want to move to the United States and be on Broadway, or were you thinking no, West End? Never. I um, my husband's American, um, and we've never we've never even discussed it. It was never even um, something we'd talked about or planned. We'd go and visit for holidays, and I, you know, I would go and see shows, and I would call it my inspiration holiday. Like I would go and sit and watch Broadway shows, and I'd just get re-inspired in the business, um, and then go home, you know. And um, it was just by pure chance that a friend of mine was auditioning for Chitty Bang Bang on Broadway and mentioned me and said, you do know Julia can work here. And that's how it happened. And oh, really? Gillian then called me on my mobile phone. Um, we call them mobile phones. Yes. Um, Gillian Lynn called me and I, I thought it was a joke. Because I'm a bit of, bit of a prankster, Brad. I don't really know that I about don't you. know that about you. Yeah, I'm well, wait, actually, <laughs> the, I recently found that out. Thank goodness it wasn't to me, but yes. <laughs> I just, you know, like to sometimes play pranks. Only when provoked. Um, never, never, like, never on the show, in the show, but backstage. I can be a bit of a prankster. I, I thought it was a joke. I thought somebody was joking. Gillian Lynn, darling, darling, Gillian Lynn. I was like, yeah. And so, yeah, that's how that all sort of came about. So we were literally, and I'd done the show in London, and I really didn't think it was going to work on Broadway. I was like, and I, you know, not knowing much about Broadway, I just always think of it as like, oh, shows don't last very long there. Like, that was the general idea we had in London. It's like, you can make a lot of money, but the shows don't last. Because we're used to year contracts. Yeah. And so a year contract on Broadway is kind of like, that's a good thing. If yeah, you, I mean, you have to get a... it's a new show. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I was like, I said to my husband, well, you know, everyone's like, oh, are you going to Broadway? I said, yeah, probably for a few weeks. Like in my head, I was, we were just going and I was going to come back, you know. Um, so here I am, 10 years later. Can't believe it. Wow, that's amazing. So after uh, after Chitty, is that when uh, Spamalot came into your life? No. Well, I got deported. You got deported? Yeah. Well, because I, I know. Is this tape long enough? Oh, yes. Is, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. It Because what happened was I applied for my... I, so I came over, auditioned, uh, which was really strange, auditioning. For, for the part you created. Yeah, and two years later. So, you know, you move on, don't you? Yeah. Anyway. Um, so... They actually told me on the day that I'd got the job, which is always to this day, like, unheard of. Mm. Like, I thought I was going to have to wait weeks. And they so kindly on the day, um, I'd actually left my suitcase in the room because I was flying back. And I'd gone, I had to go back in the room to get my suitcase. Oh. And I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I had to go back into the audition room to get my suitcase that's behind the table. So I sneak in. And um, the musical director, who was a, a dear friend of mine, kind of folded me out and he whispered, he's like, you got it. And I was like, what? And he said, and then the producer walked out and he's like, what are you telling her? And, and he was like, he said, did you tell her she got the job? And, and I was like, I did, I did. And he's like, yes, go and sort your green card out. So that was a year before it happened. It was a year in advance. Wait, so they cast you a year in advance? Yeah, yeah. The auditions were, for some reason... They started the auditions a year before it was going to happen. Wow. So I started my green card process. And, you know, I don't know, green card process is like gathering, you know, um, things from 
people saying, oh, you know, we love Julie. She's wonderful. She'll be great in America. So I had all these letters from all these people I'd worked with. And, um, and then about four months later, um, Equity here uh, in New York said, oh, no, she has to have a green card, green card by November. And at this time, it was in process. And so um, the, my lawyers that were in charge of it said, we can't guarantee you're going to get it by November. The show was, the rehearsals were starting in January, February. And they said, we can't guarantee you're going to get it. So I had to just sort of put my hands up and say, it's not going to happen. Because I couldn't, we couldn't, once a green card's in process, they can't give you a date or a time when it's going to go through. So it's in transition. So we then were like, okay, we're not going. And I totally started looking for another job. In fact, I got producers in the West End. Um, I got offered it. And thankfully, I didn't take it because um, they then came back to me and said, we're going to bring you in on a work visa. Because they auditioned and couldn't find anybody to cover the lead. So uh -huh. they decided to tag bring me in on a work visa attached to the choreographer, the director. And so I, I ended up coming. So not through Green Card, not through, um, you know, my husband. So then I had to have letters saying, Julie Barnes is so great for the UK and will be returning. Because basically on a visa, you have to be seen to not be staying in America. Uh. A visa is like, you're just coming for this and then you're leaving. So I was in process for my Green Card and then I had to like, stop that and start and then so then I had to contact Susan Strom and Trevor Nunn but like you know that letter you wrote could you just say the opposite now oh my god can you say she's great in England and she and she'll you know continue to have a career in England once she returns from doing Chitty and Gilbert so it was really scary I suddenly I suddenly was we had a house you know and we just gave it to friends and we left I packed three suitcases and we got on a plane and we arrived, and in the snow, and um, and I turned up on the first day of rehearsals. I didn't even know how I'd got there because uh, one of the guys in the show turned around and said to me, "How are you here?" And I'm like, "I have no idea how I'm here." Yeah. Like, I'm really not here on a green card. I'm here on a work visa, and which was which I always like to say it was an exchange with like Judy Dench. Because oh. <laughs> at the time, yes, of course, um, she was doing something. So in England, it works. I don't know what it's like here, but in England, um, with equity and stuff, an exchange can happen. So you can be exchanged to come to America for an exchange going to the UK. Um, so I don't know who my exchange was. <laughs> I like to say it was Judy. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, so yeah, that was um, interesting. So then I had to join Equity and do... I did it all very... I don't actually think... Um, my friend actually said, I think you are the only person ever to be brought over on a work visa that's in the ensemble. So I don't wow. think that's ever happened. So I think it, it was like, again, it was some sort of perfect Fate. storm. Yeah. It was meant to be. You know, so I, uh, to be honest, I was always just... I never thought I'd actually sweep a Broadway stage. Like, literally. I was like... Never let alone perform on one, like it was just not something I ever thought was possible. Oh, 
Yeah. And then you yeah. did it repeatedly and you you I keep know, doing it. It's crazy it. and I'm always grateful for every second because I know how hard it is for people to get on Broadway who've lived here and trained here and and the fact that I came with a show was so very very lucky. Yeah. It was so lucky. But you put in two the work 2 years into that show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, I and I also I'm very I'm always very gracious of the fact that I know that I came a completely different route to what you know so many people have, and um, and I I've got I got a huge opportunity that I never wasted. I never wasted a minute of it because I was always uh, I, every day I was very very grateful to be in that show in the place I was at. You know, I mean, I mean to go to Forty Second Street Studios for a rehearsal. Oh, I was like magic. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's a dream that, I don't think I even dreamed that dream because it was so, <laughs> it was too much of a dream for me to even dream. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I just, I, I used to pinch myself. I was like, I can't believe I'm making a Broadway debut. Oh. I mean, I never even thought I'd make it. I just thought I'm going to die. I mean, I might actually die before <laughs> it happens because it just, things are just all lining up and. That just doesn't happen in this business, no, does it? No, no. It just doesn't, you know. So I've always been extremely um, grateful. But the, the, the kicker is the problem was when the show got its notice, I was then deported because I was on a work visa. Um, so I then had to start my green card. Well, I kind of started my green card process thinking the show had a bit more life in it. I'd even said, how long is the show going to run? They're like... We're fine for the next few months. So I started my the rest of my green mm. card process. Um, and then we got our notice. <laughs> How did it, did it, when it, after the Tonys, was it quickly or? Um, they gave, um, it was it was one of those, you know, January the 1st. Oh, closing. so you had a little bit of so time. So I had a couple of months, but the problem was um, I was in my green card process and have to be in the country where it's the process starts, which was London. So I, uh, my husband was here, so he stayed, and I went home, and I went back to my parents in little old Hull, and I was back in my bedroom, which I left at 16, oh. and I, um, my pink wallpaper was still on the walls, and I was like, I have just, and at the time, I was understudying to a scrumptious, and then I ended up playing it, because Aaron Dewey got pregnant, um, and so... And you did the Lincoln Center archival did, tape, which is, that's amazing. Which, again, if I did it now, I would poop my pants. Right. Because I know what it is. Whereas I just kind of, like, did all these things not knowing how, like, how huge it was. Yeah. Which, in a way, is good for me. Because if I know how important it is, I tend to do things wrong. <laughs> like, I'll fall over and I'll lose something. So, in a way, it just sort of... They were like, oh, they're taping it. I'm like, okay, great. You know, it right. wasn't, whereas now I would literally be like, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. scary. It's on tape forever yeah. for people to sit and watch in the library. Um, <laughs> so, and it, was, and it was an amazing thing to be able to do that because I, I did the role a lot in England. The girl was 18 who played the role in England and I was 28 at the time, uh, which we could talk few hours about that as well that situation because I was like I am 10 years older than the person I'm understudying 
it's time for me to <laughs> <laughs> it's time for me to not understudy anymore um but yeah i you know i experienced experienced a show in both places which was amazing because in England, like, the rules were a little different on health and safety. And, oh. you know, the dogs in the show were on full wages in the UK. The dogs? The were dogs were on more money than we were on. And they even told us in rehearsals. They were like, the dogs are going to be on more money than you guys. Because it's all animal cruelty and that is such a huge thing in England. Oh. Like, they're very protective over their animals. So, the dogs get paid. Children don't get paid. You don't get paid as a child actor. You do it for the love of it, and you're running allowed to do so many weeks a year. So once those weeks are up, you're not allowed to do any more performances. So you had, we had these dogs that were on pretty much three times, close to three times the amount of money we were on. Oh, my gosh. Um, and the car, like the Chitty Bang Bang car, um, was like this raggedy old seatbelt that I literally couldn't fasten sometimes, and it went right out into the audience like you could pretty much touch the mezzanine oh wow it went right over the heads of the people so when we came to New York like they showed us the car and it just went to the end of the stage and I was like huh? what's happened to the car and they're like legally we're not allowed to fly over the audience in America and then when I got in the car it was like this full on like ka-chong ka-chong seatbelt and these red lights flashing and green lights flashing <laughs> so that you know it's connected and I was like oh yeah I just I did the show two years ago hanging out of the car like over the audience over the audience <laughs> hanging out of the back of the car and I get to America and it's like safety 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 you right. know um, so that was that was a big difference and I felt very safe which is good well that's good <laughs> so how did you get back to America um well I was uh I, so I stayed at my parents for like about three or four months and then my green card came through and then so then I was allowed to enter as a green card holder. See your husband again. See my husband again and basically start from scratch because the good thing um, which was great about coming with a show and getting you know a Broadway show, the bad thing was no one knew who I was. I'd not auditioned there, I didn't know any of the casting directors, they didn't know me, and I'd had a three-month break, four-month, actually, by the time I got back. Um, so on the, I couldn't even get auditions on the back of what I'd just done. Right. Because it had been closed for four months, and you know what it's like in New York. Yeah. If four months is four years, yeah. and that was the old show. It's like, Chitty what? Like, no one knew what it was. <laughs> You know, so I definitely oh, felt like true. I was 16, 17 again, starting again. And it was tough. It yeah. was really, really tough. And I spent a year pounding the pavement. And I went to, I had, my, I had that green card and I had my equity card. And so I went to every single audition that was available. I'd go to everything. Because I was like, I have to earn my credits. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I have absolutely. to. I have to earn my stripes, because this is what people do. You know, this is what people do here. And I, it wasn't like it was a shock because I definitely, I knew how hard it was to get work, um, and I just never thought I would get another job. I just never thought it was going to happen, because it was just, it was difficult being thirty, and and starting and having having to have the mindset of someone who's just left college. Oh yes, you yeah. know. So somebody who's I've you know worked and I've 
you know, med stepping stones in another country didn't actually matter because, I, you know, I was a clean slate. But your talent matters, so that didn't go away. As clean as your slate was, you I, still had the, I guess. the talent. I don't know, but you start to think you don't, right? Oh, right? I, oh no, of, cor- <laughs> of, of course you do. You, you know start what I mean? to think, what if I don't fit in here? What if what I have to bring isn't right? Because also, you know, I wasn't trained here. I didn't go to college here. I didn't know how it worked, you know. So I had to pretty much retrain and learn the ropes and learn how to audition and learn you know I'm used to singing a full song in London oh full song <laughs> so to sing you know eight bars oh the eight bar one is terrible yeah, 16 bars. is it's hard enough yeah and so it was kind of like I don't know how to I don't physically know how to do this like I only know how to do full songs and they listen to those full songs in London even if they don't like you they will listen to that full song oh no um yeah, so it's like, at least here, you know if they like you or they don't like you. Right. It's kind of like, ah, thank you. Thank you. You yeah. know. So whereas in London, you're like, oh, you know, I got to do a whole song. It's wonderful. <laughs> so when did you have another, what was your next perfect storm when the, after your year of pounding the pavement? Um, I literally, um, so I did all those auditions. I'd auditioned for Spam a lot, probably nine months before I, um... I was auditioning for Mary Poppins, and um, I was auditioning for that, and it was Tara Rubin casting, and um, I was waiting to hear on Mary Poppins. I was down to the nail for that, and I knew I was getting close, and I was sort of waiting for the phone call, as you do, you know. I hope it's gonna happen. And my agent calls me, and she says, "Um, so, it's a no for Mary Poppins, and I was like, Okay, she said, but um, they're in, they want to know if you're interested in doing Spamalot. And I literally nearly fell, I f- nearly fell over in the street. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Spamalot, on the road. And I was like, but I auditioned for that nine months ago. She said, oh yeah, I guess they put you on file. And because you've been in the audition for Mary Poppins, they were in, you know, yeah. they thought about you. And basically I was too tall for Mary Poppins. Um, and so they were like, oh, well, she could go and do the tall track in Spamalot. And so I was literally on a plane like three weeks later. I was on this road with Spamalot. Which is where I met you. Which is where we met. And you er, earlier you talked about not um, wanting to understudy, but I re- right. remember when you went on for the Lady of the Lake, which you were you were fantastic. Oh, but you know, I mean, you were you were, and you were right for it as opposed you said you weren't older for that. But how is that? Mm. You know I mean. As a, I mean, you, you go on all the time, but um, as understudies like that, but as an ensemble member, they get thrown on. You were thrown yeah. on at half hour. Totally thrown on. I actually, it was kind of, I was actually sharing a room with the Lady of the Lake, um, and she went out of town for something. So I knew she was out of town, but there was also a standby. You yeah. know, we had a standby. So I didn't think anything of it. And I got into work for a matinee. We're in Nashville, if I remember rightly. Um, I got into work and somebody said to me, oh, do you know Lynn's not feeling very well? And I was like, no. And Lynn was the standby. And I was like, no. So I go into the company office and I say to the company manager, um, I'm, I never went in the company office. I don't know if you know me, but I don't go into those things <laughs> unless it's dire straits. And I go in and I kind of knock and I sheepishly go in and I'm like, 
just wondering, is Lynn okay? And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, she's fine, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I go, you know, go and uh, go into my dressing room. And it literally at the half hour call, they come knocking, um, you're on. And I was like, what? And they're like, you're on. She's, she's actually completely lost her voice and you're on. And I never in a million years thought I would ever do that role. Because I was like, there's a standby. You know, right, and exactly. the standby is there to, to do that. And there's just, I mean, usually the standby, and she wasn't in the show. She wasn't, you know, she was just there to do that job. So I just, in my mind, I just never thought it would happen. But I did used to practice it pretty much every day because it was a little, it was a little out of my comfort zone because I'm not really a pop. I'm not, I don't really do riffs and stuff like that. And, um, it was just, and you know, as you know, Lady of the Lake has, has many different singing styles. Yes. So it wasn't something like, you know, truly scrumptious for me is I could do it if I really completely lost my voice and lost both arms and legs. <laughs> you know, it's just that, that's what I can do very easily. But Lady Lake was not that easy for me to just jump into. So it was, it was a complete, definitely being put in a cannon and blasted out into space because I remember it, I still have flashbacks of being on stage thinking, I can't believe I'm standing here singing these songs that I've been singing into my pillow yeah. on tour. Because I never wanted to sort of sing them so people could hear me in the hotel room. Um, but I have such fond memories because everyone was so supportive in that oh, show. Yeah. And you know, it was amazing. It was cast. amazing. And people pushed me around and shoved me around. And yeah, shove with love. I shove with love. And I got to do two shows in Nashville. Yeah. And that's what was amazing. Because the second one, I actually was like, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this because it probably won't happen again. And well. it didn't. So, and I kind of knew. I was like, that again, this was something that I just know I may probably get to do yeah. again. So I just tried to enjoy it as best I could. Well, I thought it was interesting too because on Broadway, they're so diligent about understudy rehearsals every week, every mm. week, every week. Mm. On tour, I, I, no, no. It, it felt like you guys didn't have that much. I never remember. I remember doing it once. I remember we were in Salt Lake City and I remember go well, going in for an understudy call. But other than that, I do not remember. I do not remember doing them. We just didn't do them on a regular basis. That's shocking. Yeah. And that is something like, it's kind of like if you were a dancer and you were doing point work, you'd have to do it every day. For me, that role was something that, it's not something I can just stand up. I just never felt it was something I could just pull out of my back pocket. Right. Um, so I did. I practiced it every day. No, thinking it was never going to happen. That was the weird thing. You know. So I definitely learned over the years, like you do always have to kind of, be prepared as yeah. an understudy because you just never know. You never know. You never absolutely never know. You know and I, I remember your last city being Orlando. I don't know why I remember yes. that. Um, but you got the phone call about Little Mermaid and how how did... Yeah. Well, I was... I don't really remember. We were had plans on the day off to go to Disneyland. Yes. And I was so excited because it was... You know, I was leaving in Florida and I was like, this would be a great leaving present. You know, get to go to Disneyland. And my agent calls and is like, you have an audition for The Little Mermaid. And I was like, oh, I really don't want to fly back for an audition. Like, I just wanted to say goodbye to everyone and yeah. have a, a good time, you know. And, um, and then I got a text from my friend who was in the show saying, you are coming to that audition, right? And I was like, do I need to? And he's like, 
yes, I think you're perfect for it. You need to be there. So I remember, I remember leave, getting out of the car saying goodbye to you. Yeah, I remember And too. being like, ah. And so I had to leave. The day I finished in the show, I flew back to New York that 10 o'clock that morning. I went in for a little moment, which I'd previously auditioned for a lot. Like, I went through the whole skate school. I'd gone through <laughs> probably eight or nine callbacks. I got down to the end for all that. Um, so close. So, so close to that original cast. Um, so I kind of went in thinking, well, you know, whatever. And, uh, yeah, it was, again, it was just, I literally started rehearsals, like, I think maybe a couple of days later. Yeah. And that, again, was Heidi Blickenstaff, who... Um, was in the show had injured herself and then um, so they just needed somebody to go in and cover for her but they kind of knew the title of the show was happening as well oh. so they they kind of guessed that she wouldn't come back because she was injured and then the title of the show was kind of bubbling so they um, I went in and took over her role uh, for like three months I think it was and then the girl who was the swing in the show had said she wanted that role. So I was only ever contracted for the three months. Um, and then they, the girl who was swing said she loved that role and she didn't want to swing anymore. And so then they offered me swing. So um. I went from playing like a nice little role, <laughs> which was lovely little acting scenes, and it was really lovely. I got to work opposite Jonathan Freeman, if you know Jonathan Freeman. I do, yeah. He is this, the most amazing man in the world. So I went from only being, I think I was only an eel once in Act 1, <laughs> and I had to do like one fishy thing, and then Act 2 I was a role. So I, I didn't have to change costume and makeup. And I was like, it was such a beautiful track. Um, I went from that to being crazy, crazy swing. Oh. I then was swinging fish and eels and, and mermaids and like <laughs> flying things. And it was... And glitter everywhere. Oh my God. I've never done a show with so many makeup changes and eyelash changes and... Unitar changes. How was your skin with that? Was oh, it, was it, it easier was, than the cat oh to make up? I still get my mum to send me this jar. It's called aqueous cream. And everyone laughs at me because I, oh, I used to have it everywhere in the theatre because the quick changes were so quick. And I couldn't use the wipes. I can't use wipes on my face. And so I'd have aqueous cream scattered all over the theatre because I never knew who I was going to be on for. Oh. And I had to have them there, you know. So, um... That was a lot, that was a hard, because it was on skates, you know, oh. so have you ever been a swing on skates? No. Yeah, it's hell, because once you make a decision, you have to stick to it, like there's no second guessing yourself, you cannot make a mistake on skates, because you take six people down with yep. you, and the set, and costumes, and, and choreography backstage, because you're coming off at speed. So it was kind of like you learn the onstage stuff and then you learn when you skate off, you have to skate off at this speed and go left so that the dress... Because it's quite a small theatre, the Lump Fontaine, and we didn't fit in it. So um, everyone had traffic patterns backstage with the, with the dresses and the crew and everything. So it was I had a book of onstage and a book of offstage. 
and makeup products. Oh, wow. It was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, I literally cried the first time I went on so badly. I mean, I did my job, and then I stood on the platform at 42nd Street, and my husband came to meet me because he was in the show, and he looked at me and he said, are you okay? And I said, don't, don't, don't speak to me. And I got on the train, and he said, are you okay? And I went, no! <laughs> and I lost it on the A train. You know what it's like on the A train? You're stuck on that A train. Oh, for a long We were living at Washington Heights at the time, and I sobbed all the way to Washington Heights. I was the stress. It was the stress. It's so hard. I've been thrown. I thought, because I'd been in the show for three months, that it would be an easy, like, oh, well, I kind of know what it's like. I didn't. I didn't know what it was like to be on skates in different positions and do numbers I'd never done before. And and they'd never put a swing in the show. It was a brand new show. I was the first person to go in. So there was no protocol on how to train somebody. Oh, right. To do it. So I was like guinea pig. I was guinea pig. Oh. And, but I, you know, I went back the next day and I was on and I enjoyed it. But I was ready to hand my notice in that next day. I was ready. I was like, I do not want to do this. It was horrendous I felt like I was the worst performer in the world I was like that was I didn't even look at the audience once like it was uh. horrible horrible went back the next day and kind of enjoyed it so I was like oh, good. okay it's the life of the swing yeah well I know you as a company with Little Mermaid experienced a pretty tragic accident yes uh, yeah, we which did. we don't need to talk about that because mm -hmm. legally Disney but that not right. even that but I, mm. I noticed you as a, a woman and as mm -hmm. an actress and a performer it affected you. It affected mm. everyone like that. But that's something that you've. Mm. Uh, how has that been to carry about that? And um, you, you talked know, about being feeling safe in the theater, and now that you've had experiences yeah, where you don't. Yeah, I have to say it was it was a moment. You know, you have these moments in life where you realizations. That was a definite realization that what we do for a living isn't just you know you know sometimes you're like oh you're actors you know you just sing and dance for a living. It was a realization that what we do can be dangerous. And it was a it was a big shock um, to everybody. You know, it was something that I never would want anyone to go through. I never would want anybody to experience something like that. That fear, that fear of not knowing if somebody has survived it. You know, it was, and then the fear of having to do the show after that, and trust that it was safe to do it. You know, and we did collectively as a group. Um, while the person it happened to was it taking an ambulance to the hospital, we didn't know at the time whether he was alive or dead. At this point, there was nothing being said. Um, we collectively, as a group, decided at this, and they were holding the audience because it happened at the five. You know, oh. um, it happened at the five minute call. We were all dressed for the show, and we'd stood around for close to an hour and a half. I think. I don't actually know, you know, it's like when something traumatic happens, you don't really know how long time's passed, but I think they held the audience for an hour and a half. Um, and I remember somebody front of house, front of house manager coming down saying, can somebody go and entertain? And I just remember looking thinking, no, no, I can't. And no, he was like, no, this is not a time to entertain no. the crowd. It's a time for us to just stand and wait and find out what's gone on and how that person is, you know. And we actually made a decision to do the show that afternoon because we just, we needed to do it as a company and we needed to sort of tr get the trust back 
because otherwise I don't think we would have done the show ever again. Um, and we did, and it, it was, uh, I'll never forget it, it was very, very strange. And, you know, it wasn't until the end of the show that we, we you know, found out what had happened to him and that he was, he was alive. And, um, you know, but from that moment on, that building was never the same. Oh. It was never the same. Like, you just, it's like when you see or you experience something traumatic, the memories are still there. You know, you're in, you're in the building. And, and to be honest, I'd only been in the show for three weeks when it happened. Oh. So I just, I mean, in the, the track, uh, was I swing at that point? Actually, no, I'd only just joined the show. Um, and um, the person who the accident happened to was somebody that I actually had become friends with. And he was somebody that I spoke to a lot and had a you know rapport with, so it really affected me. Oh, of course. Because I was very used to seeing him yeah. on the show, um, but it definitely made me aware that you have to really look after yourself. I mean, if you you probably won't notice, but I look up constantly, especially in tech, especially when it's a new show, because it's a new show hasn't been tried and tested yeah and um and it's you know the thing that happened at mermaid was just it was a man man-made fault so how has witnessing that accident actually changed you um it's changed me a lot actually because it was a it was such a, a terrible thing that happened and um i don't think i'll ever really forget um what that felt like it was um it, I learned a lot from it in that you should need to really um, look after yourself as an actor, you know. Even though the theatre is a, a safe environment, you still have to take care of yourself and, and look out for yourself. I mean, definitely after that, I would check everything two and three times. Um, because, I don't know, you think the theatre and you think, oh, it's just singing and dancing and that, but I, I just feel like now the more shows I do... Recently, they're more dangerous. You know, there's a lot more. I feel like there a lot of them are competing against each other for like the most visual mm, show. Absolutely. And the, the, what comes with that is safety and you know the sets that are moving quickly and you know and also if you're in a new show, it's not been done before. So, so I definitely, um, if you notice, I always look up <laughs> when, I'm, <laughs> when I'm in the wings or even sometimes. If it's a new show and we're in tech, I do look up sometimes on stage. Just if I know there's a set piece that I know had problems or something. Oh, absolutely. It just, it's just made me really more aware of things around me. And that it is, even though it is an art form, it's also a job. And it's also, um, it can be dangerous. And things do happen. Absolutely. You know? Well, your next show was yeah. Mary Poppins, which is also very high tech. Yes, it is. And did you feel that same way going into that? You know, I I feel like I now, with every show, take it seriously. Oh. Even if it's a show... I mean, I went and did something at the Fireside Theatre, which is a tiny, tiny theatre on the round, with one um, drop in the stage, like a, a, you know, a revolve. And even then, I was wary. Like, I feel like every time I do a show now, I'm kind of aware of the, the dangers. <laughs> it's but, kind yeah. of like I look for things that that could happen and oh that could happen. And it's not like I'm scared, but I'm definitely more in tune to 
accidents, right. possible accidents, you know. So. And were you a swing? You were a swing on Mary I Poppins? I was a swing, yeah. I think you mentioned yeah. it like being crazy that, uh, on stage and run, people running around. and Crazy. Because that could seem like that alone is dangerous, people just crashing into you with a... Oh, yeah. And also, in that show, it's quite dark. And everybody, like the stepping time number, everyone's dressed the same. So that... As, that in itself is a crazy time for a swing because you know you have to say you know get behind T. Oliver Reed and everyone looks the same from behind because everyone's wearing the same costume right. and the same wig and, and it's dark and that was kind of, and you've got brooms and you're in tap shoes and so that's always you know <laughs> <laughs> that's always a hazard and that can be just as slippy as wheelies <laughs> right or heelys right. yeah. yes right right tap shoes dangerous tap shoes but, yeah. how was the Americans with the uh, English accent in your They've actually, in every English show I've done, I've been kind of impressed with the accents. Um, people always look to me and go, was that all right? You know, they'll come and ask me. And I say, to be honest, I very rarely hear something that kind of makes me go, oh, that was wrong. You know, I feel like people do their research and they do their work and um, I don't have, um, it really doesn't bother me too much if it's slightly off as long as it's done with the right intention then it's you know I'm not I'm not a snob when it comes to accents oh. like most of my fellow uh, countrymen are uh, you mentioned <laughs> your mom is a little bit everybody I mean everybody you're pretty much from even people not in the theatre like in school like England's all about words and accents. Also, accents like dictate where you're from and your upbringing, and it's kind of a status thing in England. Mm. I don't know. I don't know whether it's the same here, um, but there it defines you. It defines people judge you from where you're from with your accent, and you know in the olden days it used to be your status. Oh, makes sense. You know, like the if you watch like Downton Abbey, which I like to reference now because that's basically set. Well, my hometown is, even though I don't live in the castle. But um, <laughs> but you'll notice. I mean, I notice that the the maids and the like, the people that live, you know, do all the housework. They have my accent. They have like a northern. Oh, right. And so generally, like, if you're you're working, you know, you're like you're a worker and you don't have much money, you have a northern accent. And you know, then then you'll notice the people who own the house have a very standard. British accent, so it's kind of like a status oh, status right. thing. So it's it, it means different things at home. So people are very, they get very territorial about their accent. You know, within ten miles, it can change. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so they, you have to stick to your accent so that people know where you're from. You know, it's very, you know, they get very patriotic when it comes to accents. Oh, makes sense. You know, it is, like, and and my family get very much. Don't lose your accent. You know it. It's where you're from. <laughs> and then here, they, I mean, if you're from the South or anywhere, they, they beat it out of you. Right. Yeah, especially if you have like a Boston accent or something like that. Okay. Like there's certain accents that are a little jarring to the ear. Right, right. And then I guess, you know, when I went to drama school, at that time, it was like early 90s, it wasn't cool to have an accent. Like they tried to beat it out of me. And to be honest, I kind of fought it a little bit. I was like, as long as I can get rid of it when I need to, right. I don't see the reason to walk around talking very proper, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, but after that, of course, it became a couple of years later. It became very cool to have an accent. So suddenly, for television, it went from the very BBC, you know, well spoken, to having an accent. They got all the jobs. Oh. So then, people without accents were then making accents up because. 
you know, they were pretending they were from certain areas. And you're like, they don't have an accent. <laughs> They're not from there, you know. So it, it became kind of like, you know, cool to have one. So it just it's just the trend and how things, you know, things change. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad I didn't get rid of it. Yeah. Well, your figure is amazing, but how has it been to deal with being a woman with body image? I mean, because, uh, I mean, America's really hard on right. women. America's hard on everyone, but how is it yeah. also... Uh, um, I mean, because I've, I've done a lot of dance shows, I definitely, I mean, definitely earlier on in my career, it was made very aware that you had to keep to a certain size. Like, I definitely, I've remembered signing a few contracts that were like, you have to stay the same. Like, and it's to do with the costumes, you know, they don't want to have to alter the costumes. But I think early, early on, I remember my first job, I was like 19. And, you know, the, the girl in charge, she said, you know, um, this is a high energy show and you're going to lose a lot of weight and you're going to, um, you know, you need to eat well and look after yourself. Men, you really have to look after yourself. Women, you can always afford to lose a few pounds. And I was like, it was the first time, like, someone had said that. I was like, that's horrible really and you know like I didn't take it for me personally but I know some of the girls did and they had a horrible time in that job because they were constantly felt like you know they needed to lose weight and look a certain way and you know it's just it, it, I think it always will be like that for women mm -hmm. but I mean my thing now is that I feel like musical theatre we're just talking about that is um has changed like it's not about being that standard size and that look. Like I feel like when I was at college, you were at an advantage if you were five foot eight and above, and you had a certain figure, like skinny or you know fit or whatever. Um, now I feel like it's kind of like cool to not fit into that mold. And there are loads of musicals that don't require those. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like if you go back years, like they all had that looked alike specific <clears throat> look whereas mm -hmm. now it's more diverse it's more you know and when I, and I teach a lot and I do tell my kids I was like just look the way that you're, you're meant to look don't try and change yourself because inevitably you're going to get cast because you're you and, right. it's, and you know and I think that's very much how theatre's moved on in that they want to see you they want to you know and, and I, don't, I don't think it's quite so there's certain shows of course right that certain choreographers, it's very specific, but I just I just feel like it's not as a big a deal now to look a certain way, which I think is really cool. Really yeah, I agree. Yeah. But so now you're a mom and your body's completely changed, and yeah. but so has your head. How has your yeah. priorities changed now? Are you completely able to separate the two, or how, where's your theater head with your baby head? Um, it it's it's kind of tricky. It really, is tricky because you spend most of your career being quite selfish I've always said like acting and performing is a selfish career because you do have to invest so much time and you do have to you, you do have to check in with yourself all the time and kind of be a bit obsessed because that's what drives you you know um, so in a way when you add a child to that it's very it's very difficult because you're used to you're used to making decisions for yourself and so now it's just kind of shifted my obsessions now shifted to him in that the decisions I make, I think of him first. You know, my family, you know, my husband and my baby come first before my career choices are. Um, you know, and and we'll just see. I mean, he's eight months old, and we'll we'll just see how it goes. But I'll never, I won't sacrifice his life for my career. And I waited until I was older to have a baby because I kind of I didn't want to be 
at the kind of parent that you know regrets stopping their career and you know I've, I've even heard people say oh you know I would have done this if I'd not had you know I didn't want to be that I didn't right. want to I want to have done the things I've done and and then if I need to you know finish my career then that's okay if that if that's the right thing for him then then I'm totally prepared to do that so and actually it's kind of a nice relief because it takes the pressure off right you know I don't um I don't pressurize I don't pressure my, myself anymore into um getting certain jobs like I don't challenge myself if you don't get this that means that you're done in this business oh, you know I do that all the time right <laughs> we all do it and it's so ridiculous because it just it doesn't help. No. It doesn't help anything. There's another audition the next week. No. And so that's, it's taken away that pressure a little bit because I am, I don't do it for that. I don't do it for me, my own, you know, ego, whatever whatever it is that we have that, you know, hounds us in our head. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I just, I just, it's, it's more, the choices are for him now. So it's kind of, I feel less selfish <laughs> well that's a great way to be well this is fantastic thank you so much for doing this no if problem. i could end this with uh one song from your whole career that is special to you what would it be Ooh. well that's really hard because like certain songs do definitely remind you of certain times in your life but um i guess i i, I would definitely say truly scrumptious um purely because it was the thing that brought me to america and also, um, when I was a little girl, I used to watch Chitty Bang Bang, and I always wanted to um, be that doll on a music box, and and I did get to play that role. And Truly Scrumptious is the name of that role, so I guess I'd say that. That's perfect. Yeah. Thank you very much. All this right. was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> that was a hug. To a sweet sound like what they are, so do lollies in a lollipop jar. Gingerbread men have a gingerbread sound, we found. Sugar plum, cinnamon and lemon tart, tell you what they are right from the start. And your name does the same for you. Coincidence, truly scrumptious. You're truly, truly scrumptious. Scrumptious as a cherry peach buffet. When you're near us, it's so delicious. Honest, truly, you're the answer to our wishes.
what a heavenly day. Ready? Ready! Do.